Good morning and welcome to another episode of uh, CCT Live, uh, the Cape Cod Times Facebook Live broadcast coming to you every Thursday at 9 o'clock from the Times Newsroom. I'm news editor Patrick Cassidy and I'm joined today by business reporter Sean Driscoll who also covers nonprofits and importantly for our big story today, the local ferry system and we'll get to that later. First, we're going to talk about other stories covered this week by Cape Cod Times photographers and reporters. Uh, we'll go to the big story at that point, which is, again, the ferries around here. Plenty to talk about there. And then we'll take a look ahead at uh, what's coming up uh, potentially this weekend. You can take a look back at past episodes on our Facebook account, and you can check out all these stories on our website, as well as your choice of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that we've got. Uh, we've got a lot to cover here, so we're going to get started. Um, one of the big stories this week uh, started with a story that ran Monday by uh, reporter Kristen Young was what seemed like uh, the potential cuts of uh, some social work jobs at the Dennis Yarmouth Regional School District. Sean, what can you tell us about that story? What, what, what happened? Well, it's the sort of the now annual consternation over the DY school budget. Um, there had been a plan for a budget that would have cut six social workers from the district's staffing and a lot of parents are very upset about that and a lot of chatter online and in person about it. So what the school committee did is approve a budget that does not cut the school, the six social workers. Um, they approved a $60.6 .6 million plan, which is up almost 4% from 2018, but it's far from done. Both um, Sluckman boards on both uh, Dennis and Yarmouth side have to approve it, and then also the uh, budget plan calls for an override, so town meeting and both side, or town meeting and Yarmouth, 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 Yarmouth will which have is to always it. the way it goes. Right. Yarmouth always seems to end up with uh, something that doesn't fall within their town budget, and therefore they have to go to this override situation. It's happened, as you said, annual consternation over this. It always seems to be on the Yarmouth side. Uh, there's a long history here, um, but as you said, that that four percent is uh, more than more of a percentage increase than at any time in the last decade, right? which for a, a district that every year goes through this, even when it's at lower levels uh, of increases, uh, you, you got to see kind of this train coming down the tracks. That's going to be a lot of, of concern from, from different people. Yeah, and the override, it looks like this, um, under the budget that they passed, the override on the Yarmouth side would be $1.6 Last year, it was about 500000 and it only passed by a couple dozen votes at the ballot box. So one big thing that came up at the school committee meeting was school committee saying, okay, if this is the budget you want, you need to show up at town meeting. You need to vote because the support for school funding has historically been pretty low at Yarmouth town meetings. And um, and and then when they vote on override, so you know the school committee's message was, you know, we passed this. You need to continue to support it if this is what you want, because it needs to get through several more hoops before you know this would this would pass, including including an election eventually. If right. It's an override. Right. Yarmouth has to not only approve a town meeting, which can be easier. So actually, them saying show up to the town meeting, they also might have wanted to plug showing up to the election because that's where people go into a ballot box and they can vote without anybody looking with, over their shoulder. Right, and without having any background on it and not listening to the arguments. I mean, there's there's a you're there, saying they're not reading the Cape Cod Times and getting all that. If you're not reading the Cape Cod Times, and why aren't you? You may not have all the information you need, but there are several campaigns for this that will have to, you know, several points at which you'll have to educate people if they want this budget to go through. And again, barely passed last year at about a third of the override in Yarmouth. And again, that's where the big hurdle is. And even when this does pass, there's still cuts. Those social workers might not be cut 
Um, but there's about two dozen full-time positions that are going to be right. Cut, and it, which and there's, sense. yeah, there's an administrator, some special education teachers, teaching assistants, and lunch and recess monitors. So it's the social workers got a lot of the attention, but this is far from a budget that spares cuts. There will still be a pretty, you know, good-sized elimination of staff going into next year at this rate. And there was some look at administ additional administrative cuts were raised by people in the audience who seemed to question, as inevitably happens in these cases, the overhead at the top in terms of administrative positions. So sure. There's plenty more. Uh, our reporter, Kristen Young, will be covering that story going forward. Uh, moving on, um, we this seems, again, it's a perennial issue, perennial almost weekly, daily issue right. here recently. Um, we've got a storm that seems to have fizzled out a, a little bit today, uh, but storms over the past three weeks this month, the January storm, uh, really did a number on local beaches, and one of those was Sandy Neck. They're now talking about a plan to address this in a, a longer-term fashion. What is this about? That's right. Well, they actually are in a better position because they have had a plan on the books um, since, I think, about September of 2016. They had a, uh, a consultant do a um, uh, report, and they came up with 11 long-term coastal resiliency alternatives, um, and that's been ready for now more than a year, and a lot of beaches aren't even that far along. So in that respect, the Sandy Neck Committee, which you know, is it what it sounds like, um, has a plan ready to go if they get the money, which is the, of course, the big hurdle. But I mean, Sandy Neck, like a lot of beaches on the Cape has been really hit. They lost 15 to 40 feet of dune just since January. The gatehouse out there has flooded a couple times, causing $30,000 in damage. I mean, there's been a lot, you know, the, many beaches have been hit very hard and Sandy Neck is certainly one of them so yeah and it lies along the uh, Cape Cod Bay for people who aren't familiar with it in Barnstable you have uh, the canal you have Town Neck and Sandwich which is always hit and the idea is that the canal and the jetties there are blocking sand from moving down and filling in those beaches at Sandy Neck or Town Neck but then further down the way there's Town Neck and it, there's been discussion about how that's a an ongoing issue from the canal on in terms of the transport of sand down, which would naturally replenish these beaches, um, not happening. Uh, and again, the Army Corps, which controls the canal, is doing a study on on how the effects on Town Neck. But it you know it goes down the the line a little bit. Um, this study uh, that they did had these eleven recommendations you mentioned, and the Sandy Neck Beach Committee basically said we need to move forward with this. We're going to look at this particular recommendation, which was a retreat of the parking lot right. and the rebuilding of the dune in front of the parking lot. Right, and um, they're saying that that plan, I think the initial cost would be $2.5 million with an additional 4 to $5 million over the next 50 years for maintenance, which really isn't actually that much when you spread it over half a century. And you got to think they'd, ha they'd have to maintain whatever is there, so how much right. of that is that? But but $2.5 million is nothing to sneeze at, and as you said, yeah. they have to go... Uh, get that money, I think they have to go to town council in order to uh, receive those funds through right. some sort of capital project. Um, and it is worth noting, though, I mean, that Sandy Neck brings in about $250,000 a year to an enterprise fund for the operation of the park. So there is, you know, with so many of these projects, it's money that goes out that is never going to be recouped. But there is some money coming in from the fees that are collected. So not saying that that would ne necessarily cover the cost, but it is a revenue generator for the town, so there there is sort of an additional, you know, impetus there to keep it something that would would continue to do that because it's not just something that sits there that's free. Not that those 
you know, aren't valuable, but it is bringing money in to help cover its own kind of annual costs as well. And extraordinarily popular. People, you know, uh, their summers, uh, they go there, they have bonfires, they can... Uh, you know, go down the beach. We had a bonfire there. We kept tons bonfire. We, 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 we did, did recently. It was lovely. It was lovely. And again, people, you know, have this history with it. And, and you know, certainly I think the concept of not having access uh, is anathema to, to anybody who's gone there. They, they wouldn't put up with it. But again, maybe, maybe short money in the end, but it's part of this ongoing discussion about retreat from the shoreline and how you're going to deal with these erosion uh, events and these bigger storms that seem to be taking more of our beach away from them. So again, something that we'll be covering going forward. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> another story <laughs> seems to come up every year. Uh, uh, the Cape Cod Canal bridges. Um, everybody's aware of the work that's gone on over the years. The traffic backups on a on a you know a good day in the summer. There's there's going to be a backup. If there's an accident, forget about it. Right. And you're you're talking a huge backup. If there's a you know potential storm coming during the summer and and they say everybody's got to leave, that backup could be 40 miles long as mm -hmm. it was at one point. So it's a, a pinch point no matter what. Um, and over the years, there's been work done on these bridges. They're they're old. Uh, where are they? In the thirties. Yeah. Thirties. Um, both the Bourne and the Sagamore Bridge. And uh, cars were smaller and slower then. They were, and yes. and they made the lanes smaller, and that's one of the issues. They're technically obsolete because they have these ten foot wide lanes, um, and they're looking at what to do about this. They're they're doing work, and what was announced a little bit ago was the fact that for 55 days this spring. There would be a lane closure that's going to lead to backups on the Sagamore. On the Sagamore, exactly, and then on the Bourne. On the flip side of the summer, right? Yeah, on the right. other side. And uh, they had a meeting. The Army Corps, again, responsible for the bridges as well over the canal, had this meeting, and uh, business people came out. Uh, you know, residents, uh, transportation officials locally, and there was a lot of concern. What were the business people care because of why? Well, I mean, Wendy Northcross especially brought up the point that, you know, Columbus Day is the new Labor Day. I mean, the season is stretching out into the fall so much more. They're trying to make fall sort of the second summer. And, I mean, it really is. I mean, it, you know, Labor Day, there certainly is a break, but everyone on the Cape knows that after Columbus Day, you know, that's when things really start to get quiet. And there, you know, if you start construction right after Labor Day, then that really affects the summer, the second season for uh, tourist bait, you know, especially, you know, your seasonal businesses and things that rely on tourism. So that could be a huge, you know, hit. People would might be discouraged from coming out. This isn't work that's going to uh, end on the weekends. I mean, they're talking about 24 hours a day, seven days a week, having this these lane closures. So it's going to be... There, there won't be a good time to get over the bridge, you know, I mean, coming, you know, going off, you know, now on the Sagamore coming back on, but then the Bourne, you know, and they both back up. And if one is, you know, one is people are going to short and take a shortcut over to the other bridge, it's not going to, just because the Sagamore's not being worked on doesn't mean the traffic on the Sagamore's yeah, not any, Anything uh, leads to construction or congestion on both sides, those service roads right. that go between them become back. 151, up. All, the, all the cut throughs yeah, and all happens. Absolutely. And, and uh, we have a story today. That story was uh, our reporter, Ethan Genter, uh, who covers Bourne. Uh, he had another story in today's paper about how it's not just uh, drivers, it's also people who use the sidewalk, and people may not 
think there's a ton of people walking over the sidewalk on the bridge, but uh, the bridges, but people do use them to get from one side to the other, especially the people who are local to the area. Mm -hmm. And then there are events. I think there's the watershed a, walk in the fall over the Bourne Bridge, yeah. Buzzards Bay ride, and and uh, uh, I know uh, there's a the Cape Cod Ragnar also does that. I happen to run, just full disclosure, in the Ragnar. Um, but I don't think it's going to affect that as much at this point. But that Buzzards Bay ride is one thing that it will affect. And there's all sorts of charity events that come along. And depending on the timing, it can have an impact on them. Definitely. So, uh, we'll be looking uh, forward to that traffic. That's not really the case. But uh, they're also talking about what to do in the future of the bridges. There's more on that in Ethan's story in, in today's paper and in yesterday's paper about uh, possible replacement, which is always a discussion that comes up with those bridges. Feel free to weigh in on our, our Facebook Live uh, uh, in terms of how you feel about the bridges. Um, again, this seems like, well, it seems like a, a daily story this week, and for you it was, Sean. <laughs> Not today, because the ferries aren't running. <laughs> exactly. Well, and what happened with the ferries? When did this start? I well, guess it, even what, when did you first hear about the first Problem. Well, the first this 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 I mean the no good very horrible week for the steamship authority that a week ago, today it was Thursday the ferry woods hole briefly ran aground, uh, and I had to remind myself of this. The team I like, literally had I forgotten know, about I that. Had, it was almost so like long oh ago remember when the boat hit the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. But it was uh, the ferry woods hole was pulling into Vineyard Haven and it briefly ran aground um, in Vineyard Haven Harbor was able to back itself off, wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, but um, that was sort of the first thing that happened on Thursday. And then the ferry, just to stick to the woods hold briefly, the next day it was out of service, um, it was having control panel issues, if I remember correctly. And it's still unclear if that was connected to the grounding, like if something got jostled loose or if it was unrelated, but the woods hold kind of had sporadic issues over the weekend. Um, but then, of course, the bigger ferry story was Saturday night when the ferry Martha's Vineyard was uh, making its 8.30 run from Vineyard Haven to Woods Hole, and about 15 minutes in, it lost power, sort of between, um, right at the mouth there of Vineyard Haven, between the two lighthouses, which names I can't remember right The Chops. The Chops. Plus Chop and East Chop. Thank you. Um, so, and it lost power, couldn't run the main engine, and they were out there for five hours. Didn't get back until almost 2 o'clock in the morning. They had tow boats out there. They had, um, you know, Coast Guard out there. And the plan initially was to tow or escort the ship to Woods Hole, but they couldn't get the main engine started. So they had to push them, basically bring them back to Vineyard Haven and unload them. And the Steamship Authority provided hotels and cabs for whoever needed at that point. And luckily, uh, Kathy's Crazy Driscoll, one of our reporters, was on the vineyard for uh, the film festival. So she was able to help us on the way back, talk to some passengers. Um, the next morning, they did get the engine restarted and was able to were able to get it back to Woods Hole. And it, they discovered what it was eventually was that it was a fuel oil transfer pump that wasn't working properly. And the reason was one of the generators had a loose wire. It turns out the wire wasn't crimped properly. I think that happened in my truck. The other right, day. I know, but it, it, it fell out, um, caused an arc. So this generator went offline. And when they switched to the backup generator, the fuel pump needed to be restarted, kind of like how your water heater or your heat sometimes does if there's a, a power outage. And But there's no, the alarm for this pump wasn't hooked up to the control panel. So, and then the gauge wasn't detailed enough to be able to let the engineer know by looking at it that there was a problem. So they didn't realize it hadn't been restarted until they started to leave and then the pressure dropped them not realizing it was that the pump literally 
just had to, you had to flip the switch. So it wasn't no so much. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't want to say it wasn't a mechanical problem, but it wasn't, you know, there, it was this process problem. Yeah, it seems yeah. like worth noting, of course, that it just is weeks away from being back from an $18 million midlife refurbishment. And the generators were replaced as part of that. Um, the engines were worked on, but not replaced, but these generators and the pump were all newly done. And the uh, alarm wasn't hooked up to the uh, panel during the refurbishment. Although they said this week that it didn't used to have an alarm. So it wasn't like they forgot to hook it up. It was, you know, they sort of restored it to the point it was at, yeah, it, which was. it never had the alarms. They didn't hook it up. It is now hooked up. There's now a better gauge on that pump. Yep. So, right. So by Monday morning, the boat was back operational. Um, however, we're not done. <laughs> exactly. Yesterday, the boat went back offline. Um, they had crews from Sinesco, the Rhode Island company that was in charge of the retrofit on board on Tuesday, today's Thursday, I'm not sure what day it is. And then uh, yesterday morning, um, they had a tugboat escort the boat to Fairhaven, which is where the Steamship Authority's repair facility is. And they're gonna take it out of service for up to a week. There is a continued generator issue. I don't know if it's something that they found while the team was on board or they just realized it was bigger than they thought that it was. Um, but so that boat's gonna be out of service for a week. They brought a freight boat, the Sankity, out of its sort of pause for uh, refresh to run that to run that schedule. So the boats will still run, but the Sankity's got, it's a freight boat. So it's, you know, much fewer passengers. It's not luxurious particularly and um, fewer vessels. So, right. So it's, it's going to probably be harder to get off the vineyard for the next week. Yeah. Not so much getting on just because of the way the traffic flows this time of year, but it's going to, it's going to be a little bit harder to get passengers not you know and more so vehicles and trucks on and off the vineyard during good, this time good thing to plan ahead at this point if you're trying to get off the vineyard in particular and especially with this weather i mean yes, it's it, not helping anything that the, nothing is running at this point yeah so. and then throw mother nature into the mix and and again a lot of detail involved there you know some of it fairly technical you know some of it you know human in terms of the people who were on board uh when when the uh martha's vineyard uh, stalled out uh, mm -hmm. on, on Saturday, and a lot of that is in your reporting, multiple stories this week. Everybody can check that out at capecodtimes.com uh, for more information and, and to understand that a little better. Um, looking ahead, uh, this weekend coming up on Sunday, and we'll do this fairly quickly. We're towards the end of our time here, but uh, you can check out these stories all again on our, our website. I just love to talk about fairies so much. I apologize. I, well, <laughs> well, I, I, I think, uh, you know, one one concern, well, the ferries don't run into this problem as much, but shipping runs into the concern of whether or not they're being careful around whales. And there was actually a restriction put in, I think, south of Nantucket in terms of a restriction on speeds of ships. But the reason I bring that up is because we're planning uh, this weekend to have a story about the North Atlantic right whales and uh, the possibility of them becoming extinct. This is, again, a story we've been uh, reporting on uh, for years, it seems, but this year in particular and last year, there's been a real uh, problem with entanglements, ship strikes for this uh, whale where there's you know less than 500 of these individual whales around. Again, tons of reporting that's uh, being done on that by uh, Doug Frazier and Marianne Bragg, two reporters with Cape Cod Times. You can check that out this weekend. Thanks again for joining us for the uh, latest episode of CCT Live. Tell your friends, share it on Facebook. 
feel free to reach out uh, with any story tips or ideas. All our emails are available on uh, Cape Cod Times website, including Sean's. If you have any business stories or anything about the ferries you. that you yes. want to share, uh, we're where news on Cape Cod starts. Until next week, uh, have a good morning and good luck.